It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports? Who wants to talk NFL draft, NBA playoffs, the NHL, and baseball? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, John Riley. From our studios in San Diego, we welcome you to our Monday bonus podcast. Unbelievable number of things to talk about. John, good afternoon. You and I are cut from the same cloth. Look at you. Look at me. For two guys that <laughs> overdosed this weekend, we did pretty well. Do you know how bad it was in my house? Padres games on TV, mm-hmm. wall-to-wall coverage, NFL draft, <laughs> marquee NBA playoff games, yeah, crazy coverage, National Hockey League. Right. I OD'd. By the time I got to Sunday night at 10 o'clock, John, I could not process any more information. I'd read something. And it just didn't register with me. And then I thought to myself, it's 10.15, and I have a column to write. Right. My NFL draft recap. I don't know how you felt, but I was almost face down Sunday night. There was so much data, so much information. It went through a lot of space up there. Went through in one side, out the other. I enjoyed it. It was wild, but it was overwhelming. Yeah, well, you you keep your notes right there on that clipboard. I don't know if you could show that to the camera, but you actually write down like every person that gets drafted. And so you have all these different cross tabs of how you reference the whole NFL draft. And then you're supposed to put it into a computer yeah. for your file, but that takes as much time as it takes to write it. So it was amazing. A couple of statistics here before we get to the draft. Okay. TV viewership, 54.4 million over three days in Kansas City. Really? Wow, that's really really good. Uh, 313,000 fans showed up in Kansas City over the three days Mm -hmm. to watch, participate, drink the draft. It was amazing. Uh, We had 43 trades. Wow. 15 quarterbacks taken. I said 16 would go, but 15 Pretty close. Six kickers have never seen that before. It was absolutely stunning the way this thing fell. And obviously, we'll get into the different storylines, but the quarterback who got bypassed into the second round, the defensive tackle, the best defensive player maybe in the draft, who fell nine slots in Mm -hmm. the draft. That Mm -hmm. was amazing. Uh it it was a fascinating draft. And by the way, you brought this up on our Friday podcast. Uh, they draft gurus. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I went back and I just looked. Just I was just curious. Mel Kuyper, who is being portrayed as the reason NFL draft on TV is so successful. Well, it wouldn't go that far. Got one pick right. Mm. One out of the 31 picks in the first round. Uh, on top of that, LA Times which did a very different mock draft. They used a beat writer in every city that covers a team. Mm-hmm. They only got three right. Wow. Which was kind of surprising. The Union Tribune got a draft editor, Eddie Brown. This year he got four right, which was amazing because in the past he's only gotten one. So you're talking about the first round and where they slotted, right? Yes. Okay. The best one, NFL Network. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jeremiah. Move the Sticks is his his website and his Twitter. He's from Fallbrook. Oh, nice. Really good guy. He got nine. 
He got nine picks. That's that's pretty good. Oh, you think? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I used to do specific mock drafts. Now, this story goes back a thousand years mm-hmm. when I was in Cleveland. And one year, I think I got maybe six. And I thought, hey, I'm pretty good at this. Mm-hmm. Well, the next year, everybody's excited. Here comes Hacksaw's mock draft. I got one. <laughs> because at the top of the draft, I think it was Seattle, Dallas, mm-hmm. engineered a, a pick. Mm-hmm. Right at the top, a trade. Oh, yeah, it just it was, throws everything off. Yeah, it was the Tony Dorsett trade. Oh, okay. It just all the dominoes fell on the floor. Right. So I haven't done specific mock drafts in a while, but it's fascinating. I mean, it's fun. It's games. You love the NFL. Uh, it's just fascinating to, to watch this. we got to uh, get you up on ESPN, like on the panel right there. You could be the new Mel Kuyper. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have the hair for it. <laughs> Oh come right. on! <laughs> Are you ready? I am ready. I'm All ready. Right, we're gonna we're gonna do something a little bit different here okay. on our Monday bonus uh, podcast. Before we get started, before we bring on the report cards, because we're gonna go each letter grade that I handed out. I want to remind you. If you go to my website, it's all written. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Best 15 minutes in sports, Hacksaw's headlines. My one man's opinion column is my report card for every team in the league. What I thought they did, where, where I thought they missed, etc. So if you're sitting around with nothing to do on a Monday, after the bonus podcast is over, punch up my website, go to the one man's opinion column on the right-hand side. It'll take you there. I letter grade every team in the draft. And John, before we... Move to the report card. Tell people about how they can subscribe and what's going to happen at the end of the show. Because if you're watching on live stream, you have a chance to be part and co-host with these two dummies here in the studio in San Diego. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, all right. So if you want to join us, be one of the dummies on the panel here. Uh, you, you have a question or a comment, a hot take for Hacksaw, drop it in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. We'll get you involved in the Fans Forum segment at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. And if you're on YouTube, if you click on that little bell, you'll get updates whenever we drop new episodes and video clips on YouTube. And and a couple of addendum items. Give us a thumbs up. And, hey, we're not afraid to beg. We could use five stars. If you're going to do a review, hit the five-star button so John and I will still have something to gloat about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you do that on Apple Podcasts, right? So you ready to go with this? Report card. Let's get started. Uh, all right. Here it is. Here's the first one here, the A grades. Okay. Now, I gave a whole bunch of A grades, but these are the marquee teams at the top of the board that we're going to pay attention to. Philadelphia Super Bowl champion. That means you draft way back late. Mm. How does Philadelphia finagle everything to the point Super Bowl finalists did not win the title, but they were in the Super Bowl game? How do they have a mega draft like they had? They kept making deals, multiple number one picks, and the Philadelphia Eagles, I think, had the best draft in all. I mean, it obviously starts with Jalen Carter, the the cement block, big defensive tackle, who had dropped down the board. It goes to Nolan Smith, a teammate of his at Georgia, who's a a blitz linebacker with just electric speed. And then, as the draft was ending on the first day, they made a trade to get a heavy-duty running back, DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions. And there was a whole mixed bag of other guys. I think Philadelphia had the best draft of anybody. Seattle. Now, they bypassed on the chance to get Jalen Carter. They bypassed on taking one of the quarterbacks. Might have included Will Levis, who was falling down the board. And yet they came out with a killer. 
Uh, Devin Weatherspoon, really good cornerback from Illinois. I look at him and I see Richard Sherman. That's not a bad comparison. Uh, and, and they went out and got another wide receiver, burner inside slot guy, Jackson and Giga. I, I from Ohio State. I, I think Seattle had a really good draft. I'm giving an A grade to the Chargers. They had specific needs. They went out and they filled those needs. They got a little bit lucky. Maybe they reached a little bit. But every guy they got comes to work with passion plays stamped on his driver's license. These guys love to play, and these guys are fanatical about being fanatical playing football. So therefore, I gave the Chargers a letter grade of A. I think that uh, Quentin Johnston is going to be a big-time player because he can play all three positions. He's 6'5", 215, got an extra gear, yards after catch, superb. Again, because the Chargers have enormous salary cap issues in, uh, a year from now, this guy is going to replace one of the guys that's going to have to leave, and whether that's Keenan Allen or Mike Williams, was a big-time player. Most everybody had him because of the size and the explosiveness 19 yards per catch at TCU. They had him as the number one ranked wide receiver. Then the Chargers went out because they really needed pass rush help. And they, they got the kid from USC. We might have been the only piece of defense that USC could be proud of. But, uh, you know, getting Tui Tuiapoluto to come in and play defensive tackle or outside as a defensive end, big and physical and fast. He can run. Multi-position guy. And then they went and got a kick return guy and a punt return guy who's one of the tops in the nation in Darius Davis from TCU. 22 yards per return, 15 yards per punt return, scored five times on punt returns in college football. I just think the Chargers had the bonanza of the draft. Houston, they surprised everybody by taking C.J. Stroud. That solves the quarterback issue that's been lingering for a chunk of years there. They got Will Anderson. And the intangible about everything in the offseason in Houston, nobody's paid attention to. They signed 17 free agents, veteran mm. free agents, and 12 of the 17 were on their defense. They rise from the ashes, I think, really quick in Houston. And there's no doubt D'Amico Ryans is calling a lot of the player personnel shots. And I'll give Pittsburgh... A gold star. Not sexy to draft an offensive tackle, defensive tackle, but that's what the Steelers did. And they got, they got good guys who can play. Uh, th- this tackle who comes from Georgia is really good, Broderick Jones. Then they got Joey Porter, the cornerback, safety out of Penn State. He's the son of the former Steelers star linebacker, Joey Porter. And keep in mind, they traded for the route-running wide receiver. The Rams couldn't fit into their offense. Former Chicago Bear, Allen Robinson, and Mm -hmm. the Rams are paying a huge chunk of his salary. I just think Pittsburgh had themselves a really good draft. I like the Dallas Cowboys draft. They got a house wrecker of a defensive tackle in Mousy Smith from Michigan. There's a whole bunch of other teams. But if you go to my website, you'll look team by team by team, the letter grade I gave. But I thought those were the marquee ones at the top of the board. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) You know, it's it's funny because you look at the the board and there's all those guys from Georgia that went to to the Eagles. But the Chargers got a lot of guys from TCU, right? So do you think some of these NFL GMs sort of fall in love with certain college programs? I think they fall in love with schemes and what the guys mm-hmm. are running and the success these guys are having. I mean, there's no doubt that Georgia's got potential more NFL players now than Alabama and Nick Saban has. Uh, I, I think the, the TCU thing, it's a one-year thing. 
these guys came together. They had a really good season. They recruited a lot of blazing speed. They got football players who transferred in. So San Diego, I should say the Chargers, just <laughs> looked at the makeup of TCU's players, how they approached the game, and the needs that the Bolts had uh, on their depth chart. I, I think the Chargers really did well. Okay, and, and you were actually wondering why the um, the Lions took all those running backs. I mean, now we kind of know, right? Well, they took one from Alabama mm-hmm. because they decided we're going to get rid of the other guy. They didn't get fair market value. DeAndre Swift was a second round pick at the top of the second round. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of injuries when he was healthy, really productive. All they got for him was a fourth-round draft pick. So mm-hmm. they, they wound up losing in the equation. I thought Detroit had a pretty good draft, too. Okay, let's go to letter grade B. Here we go. There are the Bs up on the board. On the report card. You may not like him. You may think he's overbearing. And all the other adjectives you use to describe Bill Belichick had a good draft. Mm-hmm. He drafted smart guys. Drafted athletes, and by the way, he drafted a ton more on defense. I I I, I projected Christ, Christian Gonzalez. That's who they wound up taking. Guy can do a lot of things at cornerback. Came from the University of Oregon. Really gifted athlete. Smart dude. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Belichick's defense will be too complicated uh, for Christian Gonzalez. Uh, they also drafted a pass rusher, Keon White, out of Georgia. Uh, was it Georgia Tech? Uh, fast guy, big guy, long arms. So, and they picked up some other defensive players, but that's why I gave them a letter grade B. They got some instant guys that probably come in to compete for starting jobs. Green Bay, life after Aaron Rodgers, it's really going to be different. They wound up with 13 draft picks. Wow. Yeah, so with all the transactions they made, um, very good tight end out of Oregon. Luke Musgrave uh, picked up a really good linebacker. Picked up a bunch of defensive ends, defensive tackles where injuries kind of ravaged them. And, of course, they got the kid Jordan Love at at quarterback, and now he has the keys to the building. So it'll be interesting to see how they grow this thing. And Buffalo, yeah, just what Josh Allen and the Bills offense needed. (laughs) More bullets in the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they go get Dalton Kincaid, whom I had thought the Chargers would take a run at. Uh, But when Johnson dropped, Kincaid was no longer their lead pick. Uh, Big tight end, catch the ball down the field. Now they got two really good tight ends because they got uh, Dawson Knox on one side and Kincaid, who does multiples of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can be a slot, a huge slot receiver in addition to being a legitimate tight end. Uh, drafted some offensive and defensive linemen too. So I thought Buffalo had a good draft. So those are the top ones that I had getting a letter grade B. Yeah, so it seems like uh, Belichick lives in the second half of the draft. Rounds five, six, seven. He finds all the gems. Trade down, trade down, create, get more currency, etc. Now he misses on some. Of course he misses on some. Uh, I think the fascinating angle to what's gone on in New England right now. So he had a good draft. And Bill O'Brien's come in, brought back, offensive coordinator, had been at Alabama, had a relationship with Mac Jones. And Bill O'Brien's first statement to the media, clean piece of paper. I don't care what happened here in the past to that quarterback, this offense. What Belichick did last year makes no difference. I'm going to work with this quarterback who I know, and we're going to fix the offense. Bill O'Brien's, mm-hmm. I think, a really sharp offensive coordinator. Now, remains to be seen. They don't have a lot of superstars at the skill positions, and their running backs are more kind of role players. But O'Brien... Is pretty creative dude with X's and O's. So I, I think that's worth worth watching. Mm-hmm. 
All right, well, let's move down to the report card. You got more grades to go? Letter grade C, which okay. means just above failing. I mean, look at these teams here, the Rams, the Colts, the Saints. What was the favorite phrase a couple of years ago, the general manager of the Rams, as they were projecting they're going to be a Super Bowl team? He's the one who had the T-shirt that said, F those draft picks, because the Rams had <laughs> traded all those draft yeah, picks away. I remember that, yeah. Well, he's got a lot of and draft picks now. Well, yeah, look at that. Uh, the Rams, Rams went absolutely crazy. Now, the Rams had 14 picks in all, which is an unbelievable number. And on top of that, they just announced they signed 24 undrafted free agents. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, their, their mini camps and their OTAs, football helmet, strip of tape across the front with their last name. Yeah. There are so many new faces that will be in the Rams camp. It'll be like a big tryout. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I really like what they did at the top of the board. Steve Avila is a really good offensive lineman. Played tackle in college, projects to a guard, warrior, great, great feet. You know, when you measure linemen, you got height, you got weight, you got length, the intangible footwork. Because you need to be able to move your feet to pass block, run block, get to mm-hmm. the second level. Avila is really good. He was not a stud massive tackle like some of the other tackles at the top of the draft board. But I, I think he's a really fine player, and he goes to a position of need. They drafted a defensive end, Brian Young, who's a pass rusher. They drafted a defensive tackle along the way, and they drafted the guy that drove Georgia to back-to-back national championships, Stetson Bennett. Mm. And all he does is manage games and wins. He does not throw for 4,900 yards or 51 touchdowns like guys at Ohio State do. He's just smart. He's a winner. He manages games. Now, I don't know if Stetson Bennett is going to be the heir apparent to Matthew Stafford a year and a half from now, but they spent a fairly decent pick to get him in there. So I think that's that's a positive. The Rams have just got so many people there. Other thing is the Rams, in all honesty, John, uh, they're going to be a really young team. I I think this is, they won't say it, I think this is rebuild. And I when you're rebuilding with as many young guys as they brought in, wow. Yeah, I mean, I think for sure. But I like seeing him get Bennett. I mean, that guy, he's a winner. Maybe he's like Trent Delfer. Maybe, you know, can, smart guy can manage the offense. Uh, also, C-grade. I like Indianapolis. Uh, I, I I think Shane Steichen is going to be fun to watch to see what he inherits, how he can fix it. They're drastically going to change the offense. But Anthony Richardson, it's going to be his team. And I think he's probably going to play right from the get-go, sink, swim, or get battered. He's a great physical specimen, so they got to keep him healthy. Uh, we'll, we'll be intrigued to see how he consumes the playbook, the complexities of pre-snap reads, the different things defenses are going to do. Yeah, yeah, he played at Florida, threw for a bunch of yards, touchdowns, but he had interceptions, only completed 53% of his passes. This will be a learning curve going forward. But most people of the opinion, they hit the jackpot on the kid. The kid's not ready. The kid's going to have to play. Hope you don't get him busted up. But maybe a year from now, year and a half from now, we'll say, wow. That turned out to be a really good pick, and he's on a fast track because he's learned the game. But I, I gave them a, a letter grade of C for that. Uh, they, they needed help. They had so many injuries. They got a defensive tackle, defensive end. But AR-15 is obviously the guy. 
And New Orleans, uh, I don't know that they're going through re- rebuild. Their defense has got some mileage on it. So the, they drafted defensive end, defensive tackle, and they drafted Jake Hayner, the Fresno State quarterback. Nice. He's a smart guy. Now, a little bit undersized, but you can't, you can't use that as a critique not to take the look, not to touch. Because Drew Brees was undersized, and look what Drew Brees did in New Orleans, obviously linking up with, with Sean Payton. So that's a select group of the teams that I gave the letter grade C to. Go to my website, read my one man's opinion column, because I have every one of those teams in the NFL graded out, including your favorite team. What did you think about my my com- comments about FM draft picks, the Colts, etc.? It's a, it's an interesting breakdown. I'm, I'm looking at AR-15, and I'm thinking— is he kind of like Josh Allen? Because when Allen came out of college, specimen, physical, could run, could throw a mile, but had all those interceptions and he was his accuracy was off. Is AR-15 the same kind of guy? That's a good that's a good mix. He's big size guy. He's mm-hmm. 244 pounds. He's six foot four. He can run though. He's probably faster than Josh Allen. You know, he freaked everybody out at the combine because he, he did the throwing sessions and then all the metrics, the timing, he was pretty impressive. So we'll see how quickly he can handle this. Because, you know, pal, you're not playing at Florida against <laughs> South Carolina. You're playing in the NFL. Right. You're not throwing against five nine cornerbacks. That's a pro bowler there. That might be a Hall of Famer over there. And we'll see what they do to kind of spook him. Uh, because the history of NFL coordinators is they'll look at tape, look at tape, look at tape till they're bleary eyed, and they'll come up with something defensively that forces Anthony Richardson into something that he can't handle. They're not going to let him have his way in the NFL. So it'll be fun watching him go forward. Do you think he'll be uh, behind the quarterback QB one on Week One? I think he will be the starter. Wow! And I'm sh- they're excited because all you have to do is look at some of the videos of his productivity with the Gators and say, "Wow." But you also need to look at all the other junk, mm-hmm. the interceptions and the 53% completion rate and mm-hmm. what happened to the program. Not necessarily all on him. On we go. Yes, you go to class. Somebody gets bad grades. Okay, I, so I don't know if you call it grading on the curve or not, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I mean, it is kind of like grading on the curve. But yes, yeah, some of these teams had some questionable picks. I see mm-hmm. one of the kickers on the board here. All right. Let's talk about uh, the guys that I didn't think did well. Cleveland's got Deshaun Watson. Okay. No draft picks early. That was your draft pick, your quarterback who had came back after the suspension and had good games and bad games, etc. So Cleveland next year will be a different team because Watson will have been in the program, in the system, and gone through the whole OTAs and preseason campers. Last year, he was out of football. Uh, that being said, did they really address the deficiency defensively up front? They got stampeded, could not stop the run. But again, they didn't have high draft picks to go get the Jalen Carters of the world. So did they do enough by drafting some defensive linemen in later rounds? You can probably find guys who can fill up space, but do you find guys that are difference makers? So I didn't get Cleveland a high a high vote. Uh, Denver Broncos, they sat there till the 63rd pick because they didn't have them because they traded so much to Seattle. Hmm. But what what they've got is is a Russell Wilson that's now rededicated himself under the guidance of the new head coach, Sean Payton. All their wide receivers are finally healthy. I would have thought that somewhere in there, they would have taken an offensive tackle 
or an offensive guard because they had so many injuries in the front, which complicated Russell Wilson's debut. But they didn't really do it. But again, they didn't draft till they got there uh, till late. Uh, Washington, I thought it's a strange way to do business. They just reached. They reached on their first round draft pick, a cornerback. They reached on their other draft pick, the second round choice. Uh, you know, another new quarterback in there. Um, poor Ron Rivera. I mean, he's he's dealing with so much adversity in the nation's capital because you got a substandard roster that he inherited. You've continued to have crisis after crisis at quarterback. And by the way, upstairs you got the whole Daniel Snyder fiasco and the fact that he is <laughs> he's now been removed, stepped away, he's gone to London, England. Franchise is about to be sold. They do have a really good defense, uh, so we'll we'll find out if the kid that they drafted at cornerback was a bit of a reach for them. Um, and in, in terms of the, uh, the 49ers, they sat there till the 87th pick drink, drinking coffee. Wow. And then they drafted a kicker in the third round. Really? I don't know anybody that's drafted a kicker that high since dating back to the failures of the Arizona Cardinals the first couple of years when the old guy, Bill Bidwell, had moved the franchise there. And they took John Lee, a kicker from UCLA, unbelievable reach, and he he didn't pan out. They took Jake Moody, really good kicker from the University of Michigan, but in the third round? Wow. I don't know anybody that ever ever does that, but they're deep. they got a lot of talent, got to get everybody back healthy. Obviously, they've, they've got this whole quarterback scenario there with Sam Darnold coming in the front door. Uh, Jimmy G is gone. They obviously have Brock Purdy. And now they're saying they're not going to trade Trey Lance. So we'll, we'll see what the roster looks like. But it's a very good, very good team. There's no doubt about it. But didn't have much capital to use uh, in the draft. So those are the guys I gave the D. And in my class, nobody got Fs yet. Okay. So you're one of those nice professors that doesn't slam everyone. But um, now imagine if you're a Cleveland fan, you're in the dog pound there. Are you happy with what's going on? Are you happy that you have Deshaun Watson? Are you happy you had no draft picks? I mean, they got to be really frustrated. Yeah, but understand, John, the history of Browns football Mm -hmm. from 1999 when they brought the franchise back. And I told you the story about they drafted Tim Couch at the top of the draft in 99, (laughs) force-fed him, played him. He got destroyed because of injuries. And they'd gone through, what was it, 23 quarterbacks, 23 different starting quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Now they got Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, they're going to be happy. And they do have Miles Garrett, and they do have a really good young secondary. they got to find a way to keep those guys out of the hospital. They've had so many injuries to all these top draft picks uh, at the back end on cornerback and safety. But uh, I think the Browns, Browns are going to be good. And obviously they got Nick Chubb heavy-duty big-time back. <laughs> if if it were not for Derrick Henry in Tennessee, Nick Chubb would be viewed as the biggest, toughest dude run on the football. But uh, he's he's a really good player. But unfortunately, I think they've wasted at least two seasons in Nick Chubb's career because he may not been able to good, put good people around him. Yeah, I always like that name, Nick Chubb, you know, for like a running back, a heavy-duty guy. But going back to kickers, I mean, didn't the Chargers draft Nate Kading? 
Yeah, way back, but that was not that was not a third round pick. That was like like sixth round or yeah. something like that. And he that. gave him a couple of good years, and all of a sudden in the playoffs, he just lost his ability to kick. And oh god, you know, they went on went on missions trying to find replacements, <laughs> and they had Josh Lambeau who did well, and then freaked out on him, and they got rid of him after he was laughing in the locker room after a terrible playoff loss. And uh, now 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 they're renting kickers, and they've had a fair degree of success with with the kickers have had. But nobody in modern day football, nobody spends a second round or a third round pick. Well, when did the Raiders take Jankowski? Well, that was that was the odd exception. Okay. I mean, they took Jankowski and I think it was Shane Leckler in might have been the same draft. Mm. I think it was in two thousand. But Al Davis was off on another planet. He did, he did what he wanted to do, didn't care what you said or I said or what anybody said. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Jankowski's probably had a Hall of Fame career there. Yeah, but the exception to the rule. Yeah, exception to the rule is going to do it his way regardless of what you think or not. One other note. Let's talk about college football here in town. Okay, so, yeah, we want to look at the Aztecs and see how they uh, finished up on the draft board. Well, we had said, John had asked me, because uh, the Aztecs historically have always had draft picks. Not this year. Uh, program slipped a little bit. Yeah, I think it has. But what's happened is now we have seven guys who have signed free agent contracts as undrafted players. Um, Houston, Jesse Matthews comes in as a route runner, reliable hands, maybe a return guy, goes to one of the worst offensive teams in the league, so he'll get a long look. I disagree with him leaving school. I mm-hmm. think he should have stayed another year. Would continue to get stronger. They are going to throw the football. I think they think they're going to throw the ball better. Jesse Matthews could have stayed there and might have had a much better statistical season. I wish he had stayed, but he's the son of a player agent. So that conversation probably took on a little bit different vein, but he winds up going to Houston. So there's an opportunity. Tyrell Shavers is big. Um, you know, might he be a Vincent Jackson-type receiver, the mm. ex-charger. He goes to Buffalo. Only time will tell whether he can actually play at the next level. His career, in all honesty, might be in Canada because there are not a lot of six, five guys in Canada who can run. And guys that don't make it in the NFL should look there. Mm-hmm. You know, Don't go to the XFL and the USFL or indoor football. Go to Canada you know, market yourself. If you have a good year or two, you can always come back across the border. There's a lot of history. So he goes to Buffalo. Uh, Miami, I think, got a really good player. I don't know whether he's a center or he's going to be a guard. Ulave was maybe, well, he was the only veteran on the Aztec offensive front. Smart cookie. Uh, Physical guy. Good feet. So he gets a chance to go in there and maybe be a backup swing guy between center and offensive guard. And if he could play two positions, that helps you a great deal. Pittsburgh gets Jordan Bird return kicks. I don't know whether or not he can handle the pounding that the NFL is all about, but there's no doubt that, he, that he's quick, dart, dash. So they'll give him a look-see probably as a kick return guy. Steelers also signed Jonah Tavai. This little guy, big heart. Really good player, but there's not a lot of 5'10 defensive linemen in the NFL. He could go to Canada because with his footwork and his penetration, uh, he could play in the Canadian Football League. There was an Aztec years ago, an offensive lineman, 
from here. I think his last name was Hayward. He went up to Canada. He played a decade up there, made a lot of money. Oh, good for him. Now he's back in the States, retired as, as a coach. So maybe that that might well be where Tavai winds up. And then the late signing was Caden McDonald. I think a really good player. Uh, now, now does he have the quickness? He sure got the bulk and his motor, high motor, runs all the time. Might be a really good special teams guy and a whole bunch of Aztecs have used that as their calling card to get in the league and stay in the league. So he goes to Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis needs a lot of help. So maybe maybe he lines up as a strong side linebacker, as a backup, and maybe becomes a gunner or plays an integral part of getting down the field, special teams, and he's all football all the time. So the Aztecs, they're putting guys in NFL camps, and it's opportunity. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, so how, how do the numbers break down? Like, how many guys do they invite to camp? How many are on the roster, the practice squad? I mean, what's the probability that these guys could maybe make the team? Well, everybody goes through OTAs right now. So the, most of the NFL clubs are having mini camps this week where you bring everybody in, and they sit in the classroom work, and they might do a little bit of walkthrough. Nobody's in helmets or pads. Uh, then you bring them back for the first of OTAs, which is a long extended period, and that's where they actually finally get into pads, and then they start doing real football-related stuff as the offense and defense is installed. There's 90 guys under contract to every NFL team. And if you don't get hurt in the OTAs, hopefully, you'll be there in July when regular camp opens. And they've changed the off-season rules this year. They used to have cuts after the first preseason game, second preseason game, etc. cetera. Uh, they would go from 90 to 85 and 85 to 73 or something. This time they've gotten rid of all that. Those guys stay in camp the whole time. And then right at the end of August, after the final preseason games played, there'll be a lot of bodies on the street because everybody will go from 90 to 53 Ooh. And then each club will re-sign, I think the number is 16 this year, that will go on developmental. And most everybody re-signs guys that were in your camp. So these guys are going to get all this extensive OTA work, and they're all going to stay there right through the one roster cut they have uh, the last week of August before the season starts, second week of September. So they'll get a lot of football, and they'll you know they'll be get indoctrinated in the NFL and then obviously they'll have a chance to show their stuff in different types of walkthroughs, uh, scenarios, and then obviously the three preseason games. Well, and, and then some of those guys that will get cut at the end of preseason might wind up on another NFL team roster, right? No, normally when you get cut, if you're coming back, you probably come back to the team that had you. Why? Because you've had all these months to digest everything in the playbook and the mm. whole system. Mm. Okay. That's, for the most part, that's that's the way it works. All right, before we go to the NBA, we're going to talk a little hoops here. John, remind everybody about Fans Forum, how they subscribe, and what we need them to do if they like what we do. Okay. Well, if you like what we do and you want to leave a five-star rating, assuming you think we deserve it, go on to Apple Podcasts. You can leave a rating and review. That would be really appreciated. kind of helps boost the podcast and helps us kind of build an audience. And you can play a role in helping us out doing that. If you want to be a part of the podcast, you want to have a question or a comment, drop that in the live chat on Facebook or on YouTube. We'll get you involved in the Fans Forum segment. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And by the way, if you like sports, 
I want you to check my website. If I write it every day, you should read it every day. And today, read my NFL draft report card because I broke down your favorite team and every team in the National Football League, and I assigned a letter grade to virtually everybody. Just go to the website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It's on the One Man's Opinion page. And don't forget, I want you to share with everybody. You like what we're doing? Give us a thumbs up. And I'm not too <laughs> proud to say, I want you to jam that Apple thing and make sure you give us some five-star reviews <laughs> along the way. John, let's talk three-point shots, air balls, and let's talk NBA basketball. Okay, we're going to do NBA. We'll get back to those Padres in a minute. But let's talk about the Warriors and the Kings. This was a hell of a series. Oh. And it went to Game 7, and man, Curry was just fantastic. Steph Curry equals 50 points. That's a great headline. Uh, Sacramento had a phenomenal season. You know, at the end, fans didn't want to leave the arena, even though they got run out of the arena by Golden State, seventh and final game. Uh, You know, it's interesting to me when you look back, uh, blurry-eyed as we are, we all watched a lot of hoops. The young teams that got there went through a tough learning curve. And I think this has never been driven home more than what just happened. The guys that didn't get to go to the second round. You have to learn how to win in postseason because I I just think it's a different venue, John. Mm -hmm. And that's what's the critical equation. Sacramento's kids really played well. But then the last game, De'Aaron Fox just disappeared. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether he got defended out of that game or whether he was just so fatigued because he had carried so much of the offense for a whole period of time. And Sacramento's big men disappeared and Sabonis fell apart. You just have to learn how to play in the second season, postseason. And I guarantee you, they'll keep this team together. Sacramento will be better next year for what they just experienced and Mm -hmm. almost accomplished this year. And you can say the same thing for Memphis. Last time I looked, Memphis lost by 40 in the final game to the Lakers. Mm. I mean, they got stumped. Injuries had a piece of the equation to do with that. But Memphis has to learn. Cleveland with Mobley and Garland and all those young guys, they got there. They got taken out pretty quickly. You got to be able to cope with the ups and downs and the surges and the eruptions when you're in postseason play because it is different than playing on a Tuesday night in November. Mm-hmm. So I, I think each of those teams that got taken out is probably going to learn an awful lot along the way. And obviously, injuries played into the equation, too. We saw more significant injuries in the first round of this tournament in the playoffs than I think we'd, we'd seen in a, in a long time. But Golden State's not done yet. They get the chance to play another series starting on Tuesday night against L.A. That's going to be a good one. I mean, so it wasn't it amazing how the Kings went into San Francisco and beat them on game six. The Warriors just laid an egg. And then you figured, oh, they're going back to Sacramento. The Kings maybe have a momentum. And then it flipped the other way. So it just kind of goes to show you for some of these NBA teams like the Lakers, like the Warriors, it's almost like the seed number doesn't matter. If you're a six or a seven, you just want to get into the tournament. And uh, and if you've got experience and you've got, like you say, that postseason um, you know, uh, skill, then you're going to go deep in these, these tournaments. I, I tend to think Sacramento is really out of gas mm. in that final game. They just didn't look like the same team. I'll say this about Golden State. I mean, they're, they're really good at home. So I was kind of surprised that they got punched in the mouth in game six at home. Mm-hmm. And they're not good on the road. And yet they went in and just steamrolled 
took Sacramento physically and emotionally out of that basketball game. Okay, well, how, about, how about Looney? Wasn't he awesome? I mean, on the boards? I mean, you could say he had almost like a triple-double because he had double-digit points, double-digit offensive rebounds, and double-digit defensive rebounds. 21 boards in all. I mean, that was incredible. And, and he was one of the reasons Sacramento's big men, led by Sabonis, just disappeared. Yeah. So I mean, it was a phenomenal, consummate, come-together-at-the-right-time team win for an experienced team. And I, I think that's the big difference yes. as to why Golden State plays Tuesday. Sacramento will be home watching it on TV. But mm-hmm. take nothing away from what Mike Brown accomplished with, with the Warriors. Agreed. Moving okay. on. Next matchup. Okay. Well, we'll talk Warriors again. They're going to go up against the Lakers. This is going to be a great matchup. Great question. Who defends who? The intangible... Golden State has just grinded through seven. Lakers have been sitting at home getting rested. Mm. There is so much value not being fatigued as you start this series. So they will start Tuesday night. To me, that's a great that's a great headline. Who defends who? So you got LeBron. Is LeBron going to take on Curry? You got Draymond Green and his scowl. <laughs> is he going to be able to do that in the face of Anthony Davis? Then you've got, obviously, the hot and cold D'Angelo Russell. Never know who to trust with the basketball. Some nights good, other nights, ooh. Who's going to defend him? Will Jordan Poole be able to bounce back and become the player he's been in past playoffs? Because he's been hot and cold, too, for Golden State. And then you got the bench bunch. Uh, you know, the Lakers, obviously, Austin Reeves can be raging hot. There's no doubt Dennis Schroeder can change the game. But I think the burning question for the Lakers, will they get productivity off the bench? Because that's that's been an up-and-down issue for them, even when they made the push to get to into postseason and, and, you know, qualified as a play-in team. And then even through that first round that the Lakers kind of ran hot, ran cold against Memphis, some nights the bench was integral part of what they did. Other nights the bench was... MIA. And the same storyline, I think, really holds true. Golden State cannot be just a Steph Curry team. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Steph Curry's going to go off for 50 against the Lakers. So they're going to need Klay Thompson to make plays. And we'll find out how good Looney can be coming off the bench in this series against the Lakers' bigs, who are more physical than Sacramento's guys were physical. Uh, and obviously... You think they're going to be crazy in Sacramento? I mean, in in the Bay Area in San Francisco on Tuesday night. Holy cow! What a what a matchup nationally this is going to be. Lakers who were Golden State just was. So we got a battle of two historic franchises who've had great great success. Granted, Golden State has some rings, not as many uniforms and jerseys hanging in the rafters in L.A., but what a phenomenal series it's going to be. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, because, you know, it's like Giants-Dodgers. It's a huge California rivalry, San Francisco-L.A. But for each of these franchises, it seems when the Lakers were great, the Warriors were horrible, and vice versa. So how often have they met in the playoffs? It's got to be very rare. Yeah, very rare, because, I mean, the, the Golden State was down forever. I mean, Golden State's marquee guys were Rick Barry. yeah. Al Adults, will you? I'm telling you stuff you already know, <laughs> yeah, dummy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Clifford uh, Ray? Yeah, yeah. Joe yeah. Barry Carroll for a short period of time. 
but that's been few and far between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, obviously, Steve Kerr, new ownership, new arenas, changed everything. They've made San Francisco a, a basketball city again. I I just think it's it's going to be a best of seven shootout. It's, now, question, who's going to shoot it? Who's going to sink these shots? And the matchups, to me, are just going to be so much fun to, to watch. Yeah, I mean, especially given that the Lakers, their dominant guys are big guys, where the Warriors' dominant guys are just those shooting guards from the outside. So, like, who guards who? You know, exactly. But, I mean, I just I just think this Austin Reeves kid is is really talented, and he surprises us every game. So he, maybe he's going to be an X factor. He's been busted up, though. In, in, in the first round of the playoffs, Memphis, they defensed him. I mean, he was not hitting shots, was not making passes. And maybe it's because of the end of the season when they finally inserted him into the starting lineup. He started to make plays. Nobody was aware of who he was, what he could do, and he had hot hands some games. But, boy, against against the Memphis Grizzlies, he was not there consistently at all. He just mm-hmm. looked he looked a little overwhelmed with the physicality of postseason play. Yeah, it's a whole new level, just like the NHL. On we go. Let's talk about some of the other storylines in pro basketball because this was really, really a weird week, First, a weird first round. Yeah, I mean, you see some number one seeds go down. I mean, yeah, this, is, this was a wild week. Let's talk about Milwaukee. They're really upset, uh, probably rightfully so, but this had to do with the injury to Giannis suffering the bruise back, came back was just never the same player, and they're not the same team when he's not part of the rotation offensively, and so there's a huge disappointment when you're the number one seed in the West and you don't get out of the first round, but that was just the quirk of injuries along the way. Um, Philadelphia's got a real problem. Joel Embiid has just gotten a plasma platelet injection in the sprained knee. Mm-hmm. He's got a problem with two different ligaments. There's no tear. He's hardly practiced at all. I, he does not. I don't think he plays in game one in the series with Boston. I don't know even play game two. If you can't practice, how are you going to run the floor? How are you going to run the floor when you've got a sprained knee? Uh, and if he's not in the lineup, just not the same basketball team. So we'll have to take this game by game. Does not play game one. I don't know how he could play game two. And and usually when you have the PRP plasma platelet injection, usually it takes a week before you're actually allowed back on the on the court to actually do basketball related full bore things. So that's a real tough blow for the for the seventy sixers. Um, you know, Cleveland young team as I mentioned. Uh, Evan Mobley's got to get bigger in the upper body, the former USC star. No doubt the Cavaliers have got firepower a lot of different places, pretty young team. That'd be a learning curve experience, I think, for them. I think the same thing, uh, chemistry is a big issue in Minnesota. They're really, they're embittered. Uh, something bad's happened up there. I think now it, it has slapped them in the face, John, that the trade they made to get Rudy Gobert from Utah, and they paid a really steep price to get him, now they got two guys that don't match, mm. and that's a real big a- issue when you got Carl Anthony Towns and you got Rudy Gobert, and you can't play them together. Ball movement slows. Who should have the ball? Who should take the shots? Somebody, I think, is going to get traded in this offseason because Minnesota square peg round hole. 
the deal with Utah kind of blew up in their face, and they gave up a ton uh, to get Gobert from the Jazz. And the Knickerbockers uh, are are playing, and they got Miami. Uh, they're already down in that series. Injuries is a big issue. If you don't have Julius Randle and he's re-sprained his ankle for a third time in New York, if you don't have him doing what he does, all different dimensions to the offense, you're not the same offense. There's way too much dumped on Jalen Brunson's plate mm-hmm. as the star guard. And now Miami, which has kind of really surged at the end of the season, got into the playoffs, won their first round. Jimmy Butler just going off. He's re-injured his ankle for a third time. So this is going to be a night-to-night thing. And yeah, they'll play, but how long can he play? Is He's still explosive. What happens if he tweaks it again? Then he comes out. It's a longer rehab period. So injuries have really sidetracked a bunch of these teams. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the Clippers in a bit, but, you know, with Embiid and the knee, it just reminds me a little bit of Kawhi and some of the challenges there. But the the playoffs are just ferocious. I mean, the way these guys take it up two or three notches, it's no wonder they're getting battered and bruised. These guys are fearless. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're playing above the rim and the collisions, and it's it's absolutely stunning. Uh, last basketball comment. Let's talk about what's happening in Los Angeles with the team that's no longer in the playoffs. And this, to me, is really sad. Uh, we're talking Clipper basketball here. Uh, the autopsy at the end of the season, no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George, therefore not much of a chance to compete. Uh, Three-point shooters kind of disappeared during that Clipper playoff series. Real tough setback. They have enormous salary cap problems, yet they have said they want to re-sign Russell Westbrook. And Westbrook resuscitated his career, I thought. I mean, he had had some big games there because he had to because the other guys were out injured. And they want to re-sign him, and they want to sign the the big old dog, the backup center, Mason Plumley, who gave him a lot of valuable minutes and an absolute ton of energy. Um, and they want to re-sign the three-point shooter, Eric Gordon. But they're $40 million over the cap, and the new CBA kicks in this year. And if you're that much over the cap... You start losing draft pick slots. Mm. You lose the ability to sign any player who had been bought out by another team. Uh, the, they call it amnesty buyout. You lose the ability to use mid-level trade exceptions, which are part of the salary cap structure. And they're way over the cap. Uh, and the league just put into place, that I think it comes in effective June 1st, a new set of financial rules. There's about five or six clubs that are so far over the cap, they're going to have to cut players because otherwise you just you lose too many of the tools you have to operate and build your roster. Now, could they get Kawhi Leonard or Paul George to give money back? It's a novel approach. Maybe you do it for the good of the franchise. I don't know very many players that give money back. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you, and now you got the whole history of, of, of what is Kawhi Leonard going to be like with this third injury to the knee, the the terrible loss of all the cartilage around the knee, meniscus. Uh, and if they have if they have to take the meniscus out, then you have a player playing bone on bone, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. The wear and tear factor on that, and it's, it's going to be painful. So who knows what decision they make with Kawhi? He just can't stay on the court as brilliant as he is. And you got Paul George, who's always dinged up. 
So Clippers, Clippers, the autopsy is not good. They're going to try to hold this team together. They, I don't think they have any chips to go out in the marketplace and add anything to the roster. So uh, NBA has changed the rules, and the Clippers thought they were going to get there and be a championship team. And for this group of people, like the last group of people with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, not work out. So okay, let's just explore a hypothetical. Um, let's just say you know the Clippers are way over on the salary cap, and you decide to cut. Kawhi or Paul George just to get under the cap. Or you could trade them. Well, yeah, you could trade them. And then, yeah, you could maybe work a deal and get below the cap. But let's just say hypothetically they got cut, uh, which would be crazy. But if they did, they're still on the hook to pay them, right? Yes. And then if they land with some other team, then do they pay the minimum and then the Clippers pick up the uh, the balance? Does it kind of work the way it does in Major League Baseball? Uh, it, I don't know if teams, in fact, that's a good question. I don't think under this new set of guidelines, I don't think you can pay a portion of the salary to move that guy off the roster. You Uh could in the past. I think I read this past week that you can't. Mm -hmm. But but you can trade. You can trade this player to a team that's got cap space that's willing to take on that player. They'll give you players in return. They'll give you draft picks in return. But then if you do that, if you trade Paul George or Kawhi Leonard— you're busting up the roster you built. Right. So it's, it's a really tough call, you know, unless unless Steve Ballmer, who's been one of the most benevolent owners and has tried so hard to put put the Clippers in the NBA Finals, says, I don't care about the limitations. I'm keeping my team together. We're going to re-sign Russell Rusbrook. We'll try to get everybody healthy and come back next year with this group because the group never got to play together. Right. For large chunks of the whole season. That's so a good, good question. Bomber might be the Steve Cohen of the NBA. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Before we move on to talk baseball, remind everybody about what's happening right at the end of the show. We should put a sign up there that says Help Wanted. <laughs> want you to be part of Fans Forum right at the end of our Monday bonus podcast today. John, explain how that works. All right. You can get involved in the Fans Forum. Just drop your live take, your, your live question, your comment you have for Hacksaw. You put it in the live chat on Facebook or on YouTube. We'll see it on here on our screen. We'll get you involved in the fans forum at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. And a reminder, if you like what we do, give us a thumbs up, share it with everybody. And I never got gold stars in school going to Catholic (laughs) elementary school. So pay me now. If you like what we're doing, give us a rave review on Apple. Give us a five star because that'll help us a great deal. John got gold stars in school, (laughs) elementary school in San Francisco. I know about that. On we go. Let's talk baseball. Okay, yeah, the, the, it was a great weekend down in Mexico City. <laughs> and a lot of fun to watch those games, but uh, the ball was flying. Cheap home runs and cheap tequila. <laughs> uh, I do. I tell you what, the the fun thing to me to watch the, the two games in Mexico City against the Giants was the Sombrero Sluggers. Mm. The Padres hit that six home runs in that one game. There were 11 home runs total. Uh, and every time they hit a bomb, somebody's running out of the dugout wearing the big black sombrero. They ought to bring <laughs> that back. That'll be our signature for this Padres season as they continue now. And they move back home to play the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, it, it's a, a tough place to play. I did not realize cut class the day they taught it in college, went and drank beer instead. I didn't realize Mexico City was 7,300 feet above sea level. That's way up there. Yeah, I mean, it's it just a shade more than 5,200 feet in Denver, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Mile High City. Man, that ball was jumping out of there. And then the winds came up, which complicated it. And the psyche of the pitchers just... Oh, my goodness. Throwing your best stuff and it winds up out there in the next state over. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it was a really fun series, really tough on the players. 
Uh, you know, the, the fascinating story, you Darvish had a really tough out and gave up three home runs early. He's been battling dehydration, and he had trouble breathing in the thin air in Mexico City. Mm. He was on oxygen in the back of the dugout between innings. Oh, I didn't know that. And then he kind of rallied back. And, he, I mean, he retired the final eight batters he faced. But, boy... He it was culture shock for him because he throws all these different pitches from all these different arm slots and the balls were flat. They were not breaking the way you Darvish at Petco Park would mm-hmm. deliver it to the plate. Uh, but the Padres won. Giants, you know, I'm sorry, it's a ragtag team. I hate to insult your old team. <laughs> Just a ragtag roster. I don't yeah. have much faith in what they're doing up there right now. Um, and their pitching staff got obliterated, and poor Gabe Kapler was going crazy. Next guy up, because the last guy I put in got his brains blown out. So Gi- Giants blew two leads. They I mean, had the big lead uh, in the six-home run game. They lost that, and then they blew the 4 nothing lead uh, in the Sunday game. But Padres are back home. I uh, feel bad that they get off the plane like at midnight. Uh, no batting practice on Monday before the game with the Reds. You know, they got to be fatigued. But getting them back to, to sea level is probably going to help them again. And it's weird. There's nothing wrong with your eyesight. My eyesight's bad. Nothing wrong with your eyesight. Look at the standings. Could you please ever tell me that you would have thought small market Tampa Bay would have 23 wins? Yeah, wow. The Pirates would have 18. The mm-hmm. Orioles would have 18 with the smallest budgets they have. And everybody that we thought was going to be good, be it San Diego, be it the Dodgers, these guys are staggering to try to get a shade above the 500 mark. A lot of baseball to be played, but that's nothing wrong with your eyesight. The standings are correct. Yeah, well, and, you know, and the, the Padres are back above 500, and hopefully this kind of kicks them into a new gear, get that offense rolling. But it just seemed on Saturday, any time they squared up on the ball, it was gone. I mean, it, 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 was, it was incredible the way it was flying out of there. And some of those home runs, I think even like Tatis's, was only like about 300, maybe 15 feet, would never have been a home run in a, a stadium in America. But so, because the fences were were shallow, the, the, the fences were short. I mean, it was just like, a, like the ultimate bandbox. Yeah, it really was. And it's a once in a lifetime experience. It was so much fun for the players. And the players did some kind of cool things with the charity events down there. But uh, I like the sombrero look. I hope they keep that in the dugout at Petco Park. Oh, it's coming back. And when guys hit bombs, I want to see these guys running up and down the dugout wearing the big black (laughs) Mexican sombrero. Yeah, for sure. From baseball, let's talk about uh, the other playoffs that we watched. Oh, yeah. I mean, the NHL playoffs were insane. I mean, so, I mean, we talked about the Lakers, excuse me, the the Kings and the Oilers. And that series, man, it was an amazing Game 7. The emotional pendulum in that series went back and forth, back and forth. And I'll tell you, you held your breath if you're a hockey fan, because there was so much goal scoring on both sides that the minute Leon Dreisaitl of Edmonton cranked it up and crossed the uh, blue line, red line, into the zone, God, he was going to score a goal. They could not check him, shut him down. And then, of course, the the vibrancy of Connor McDavid and all the role players played a part in what Edmonton did. Uh, My only disappointment, the Kings had a fabulous season. I know they're feeling really bad right now. The only point I have is, please tell me where Anzi Kopitar was in this playoff series. Uh, Adrian Kempe, who had 41 goals regular season, they didn't seem to be as dangerous offensively as Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid was. And both teams 
I thought at times goaltending got really shaky. Mm, yeah. Uh, Corpusalo, man, he stoned him at times, but there was so much traffic in front of the Kings goaltender. And I will say this, Stuart Skinner, young guy, uh, I felt he was really sloppy around the goal with the puck, and that sometimes that puck went up in the back of the net. But when they needed him at the end of Game 7, boy, did he make big saves after big saves against the Kings. So, King Kings had a great jump. I think Rob Blake should be the executive of the year in the NHL. Toronto, Tampa Bay. First time in 19 years the Maple Leafs got out of the first round. Mm. And they did it without a lot of their big names contributing, which is really a surprise. Uh, their goaltender, Ilya Samsonov, made some huge saves in some of the big victories. I don't understand what happened at Tampa Bay's goaltender, Vasilevsky. Uh, he's had a great career, great season, but he looks shaky at times in the series against the Maple Leafs. I guess the thing that amazed me is Toronto did this without a lot of goal scoring from their guns, not Austin Matthews and not Mitch Marner. Now, a bunch of other guys, uh, Nylander and some of the others, did a really good job. So Toronto moves on. So that that Canada, they're going crazy because the Oilers are playing in the second round, the Maple Leafs or playing in the second round. And then you got the outcome that nobody ever expected. You know, Florida had to claw its way to even get into the playoffs. They didn't get any gold-plated invitation. They grinded to get in at the bottom of the standings. Boston set all these records. Most wins, most points, most goals scored, 60 goals scorer in Pasternak. And Boston got beat. They got beat in the seventh game by Florida. They got beat at home in the sixth game. Just absolutely amazing. And Boston, they benched their goaltender, uh, which was really a surprise to me for Game 7. I mean, you've gone this whole record-setting historical season with Linus Olmark as as your keeper, and you sit him to play the backup in the final game because Olmark had a couple of shaky games prior to that. That was really out of the norm. And I will tell you, in Boston, you think the media— is harsh in some other cities. Oh, God. The banners across the Boston Globe mm-hmm. picture the Bruins logo and the word choke job. Oh, yeah. And and this is a franchise that's got a lot of age and mileage on it. So there's a big issue. Was that the last time we see Patrice Bergeron, who was hurt and sick, didn't play very well? Is it the last time? Uh, what happens to Pasternak? So uh, what a shocker that Boston didn't make it because I think the whole world thought, well, Toronto might get through against Tampa, and then you got Toronto-Boston. Boy, wouldn't that be something, but not going to happen. Yeah, so what's your take on this? You figure the the Bruins were you know dominant through the whole season, and they went out in the first round. The Milwaukee Bucks were a number one seed out in the first round. And last year's playoffs, the Dodgers had a dominant season. They went out in the first round of the playoffs. What leads to this? Is it psyche? Is it, um, is it mental? What do you, what's your take? Are you hot? Are you healthy? Mm. Those are, I think, the two biggest words going to postseason play. And and for the most part, each of those teams that you mentioned, there were physical maladies there. And then, don't screw it up, Dave Roberts, Dodger dugout, handling, (laughs) mishandling your pitching. Right. Uh, But I, I think in a bunch of the cases in the NHL and in the NBA, you get hurt guys. And this could cost Philadelphia. If Embiid cannot come back to be as dominant as he is, and it's, I don't understand how you can give him a plasma platelet injection at this point. You had all last week when he was out to make that decision because you need, you need a window for that to take effect for him to go out and then play. 
why you would wait so long for that. And and obviously Giannis bruised the back in Milwaukee and was just quite never the same player. And you got all these injuries uh, in Boston. Uh, I mean, losing losing Bergeron to what they thought was a mysterious virus. I don't know whether they feared that maybe he had COVID, but he wasn't right. And then other guys got hurt along the way. And then your goaltender just absolutely fell apart, which you would never have imagined with a team that won 65 games. So great playoff series to go from the first round, take a deep breath. Here comes the second round. Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to get beat up and smacked around and thrown against the boards even more. I mean, yeah, if you're a Boston fan, it's got to be tough. I mean, you were you were on the king of the hill, the top of the mountain, and now you're like in the street gutter. But, you know, you mentioned Giannis going back to NBA. Did you see that press conference where someone asked him, did you fail? I mean, what was your whole take on that one? I thought that was a rather unfair question. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he got hurt, I mean, I thought he might have fractured his back. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm i sorry. That that sounded like a cheap shot question. I think you need to respect the player in these press conferences. Mm-hmm. And Giannis, Giannis gave a really strong-worded, very honest answer. Uh, I thought Giannis was much fairer to the reporter than the reporter was for asking I agree. <laughs> the question, which I thought was really mm-hmm. kind of off off, off the mark. Um, but you get dinged, you can't be the same player. And if you're the star player on the team and you get dinged, that changes a lot of the other components of, of the makeup of your team. So in the NHL playoffs with the number one team out, who's the favorite, you think? It's wide open. I mean, they're going. I, I have friends in Canada, across Canada, that I network with and email all the time. They're going crazy. Could you imagine if it's Toronto, Edmonton, oh, in the NHL Stanley Cup Finals? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of lot of games to be played. A lot of slap shots and power plays and penalty <laughs> kills coming up between now and the first week of June when we get to the NHL Finals. Okay, it's time for your friends to join us. Fans Forum. Have we got people that want to ask some legitimate questions? If you got a question, we got an answer. If you got a statement to make, I want you to stand up and sound off because we do cover an awful lot on our Monday bonus podcast. John, take over. Well, yeah, we got a couple of just quick comments here on the on the live chat, and then we got even more with YouTube. But here's uh, one from Wolfpack 1977. Bruins choked. I mean, that's what you just said in the newspaper <laughs> headline this morning. It's going to be a crummy off off season in Boston. Uh, um, I, I think there's reasons why this thing fell apart. But who could have ever imagined when they were storming the final three weeks of the season and there was a lot of pressure on them that are you going to set the all-time win record, all-time goal-scoring record? Is Pasternak going to get 60? And the answer is to Everham, check them off. Yes, 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 yes. And Olmark was playing well. You thought, Wow. There it is, right there. And then they get Florida. Florida was at the bottom of the rankings of postseason teams, and they beat them. So, going to be a hard off season. And then, obviously, the whole evaluation of there's a lot of age on that contract. Bergeron does not want to talk about whether he's coming back or playing. It's like a year ago, Zidino Chara, the legendary defenseman, a 20-plus year career. He retired. So there's going to be some shuffling of the deck in Boston. <laughs> yeah, a lot there. Let's go. Here, a couple of quick comments here from Justin C. He goes, hey, I just left a five-star review. Love you, Hacksaw. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, as I said, I'll take I have no pride. Take as many five stars as we can get, and even he will settle for four stars. Yeah, he goes, yeah, this is way better than those clowns on 1090 AM. <laughs> 
We are good at what we are good at. We know what we're talking about. Agree or disagree. Don't give a damn as long as you give us a view. Okay. So, and then fight on 818 says Seahawks A plus draft grade. Well, Pete Carroll, uh, he came out of the norm. I, I would have bet that he would have taken Jalen Carter at five. I thought the Raiders should have taken Jalen Carter at seven. And he wounds up going to the Eagles, the ones who are in the Super Bowl, at, at, at where they drafted at 10. Uh, Pete did a good job, though, because he got a cover corner, he got a wide receiver, got another running back. Uh, so I, 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 you know, they've bounced back. He's kind of quietly rebuilt the offensive line. Although I, I still tend to think that if they could have taken that cement block of a defensive tackle mm-hmm. right in the middle, that that would have made a big, big difference. Yeah, that would have been. I mean, let's go to the YouTube comments. We've got a ton here as well. Um, so let's scroll down the list. And here's the first one. And this was about Matt Ariza, you know, still unsigned. Patrick Fintak, kind of a little bit of a long uh, comment here. But he says, hey, as a Bills fan, I was very upset that the majority of people, fans, wanted this kid hung from a tree and canceled. I want wanted to give him a chance to get his side of the story out. But because of the world we live in today, it's guilty till proven innocent. And the Bills are not a tolerable organization. So it was obvious they would cut him regardless. We all make dumb mistakes when we were young. If he is proven guilty, then he should serve jail time. Also, the timing of the allegations was very suspicious. Well, I don't. I wouldn't go as far as to say suspicious. It takes time to investigate all this, and I mean it's it's been such a long period of time since the incident occurred uh, on the, on the campus at San Diego State. Uh, if you want to read a fascinating story, it just broke. It's on the LA Times website about the police meeting with the woman and detailing specifically to her and her lawyer why they did not press charges. It's it's great insight as to how they did this long-term investigation, all the data they gathered, including videos. And it was a reason Matt Ariza was not charged with sexual assault. Stupidity, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not sexual assault. He was not there when it happened. He had left the party 30 minutes earlier. They've got all types of video of the girl boasting that she's 18. There's a report, and one of the videos shows the girl, after, quote, having had relations with another player, coming back to the living room, sitting on the couch with her friends, talking about it. Does not sound as if she had been raped. Mm -hmm. But there is no video of any of the players. There is video of, quote, one of the acts. I think it was the, the third set of circumstances when she was led back into the bedroom where the assault might have occurred. But the police said just all the information and the changing story and who was there, who was not there, what she said at different times during the course of this party just shove the whole thing into a big gray area. Now, that being said, there's no charges against these players yet, but this lawsuit, this court case, is going to go to court, and the threshold to prove in that trial is a lot less, prove damages, is a lot less than if they were charged with rape or sexual assault. Yes. So you take you take that volume of information. If you go on the LA Times website, about the police video, you should be able to read the article. And in terms of Ariza, I hate to say he's being blackballed. It sure looks like he's being snubbed. I would have thought by this point somebody would have signed him. 
but there's still a window here to go through the rest of the offseason for him to get an opportunity. He Did he do something wrong? He made a stupid decision. A lot of players make stupid decisions. And last I checked, there's a ton of these guys that have served whatever penalty sanction they had to serve and were allowed back in the NFL. If he cannot get back in the NFL, he should go to Canada. And granted, he'll have things he'll have to explain to the Toronto Argonauts or the BC Lions or whatever. But maybe he can rebuild his football reputation and his personal reputation there. I feel bad for the kid because he was a great, great player. Career should not be ended because he did something stupid. Granted, it was over the line. I don't understand the rationale of why you would put your whole bloody future in jeopardy when your whole great future is right there in front of you. So I, I hope the kid gets this opportunity somewhere. Uh, but obviously this this case, is this lawsuit, civil lawsuit, is going to trial. Yeah, I mean, it's a sad story, you know. So I'd like to see him get a second chance as well, especially since he has not been found guilty. But there's another comment here on YouTube. It's kind of a similar story, and it's the deal about Mikey Williams. And uh, John the Professional says, Mikey, like so many kids these days, thinks gang life is like a rap video until the shoe drops. Well, I, I just questioned last week on our, our podcast at the end of the week, who's advising this young man? I don't care about how many TikTok followers he has. I don't care that he designs fashion clothes. I don't care that he lives in a, quote, million-dollar house. I want to know who is advising this young man to handle his business this way. And in the world that we live in right now, John, and I hate to pontificate, but I will, (laughs) why are you screwing around with guns? Yeah, for sure. Now, if it were self-defense and a right, right to defend yourself, yeah. Your property, maybe that's different, but there Mm -hmm. seems to be no evidence there was any gunfire or any weapons pointed the other way at the basketball player, and you're coming out of your house, and you're firing at a car. Thank God nobody was injured. But why are you doing this in the day and age that we are living through the horrors in Texas and Virginia and all the other places, and who is advising this kid, and whether that's family or that's brothers or the people that counsel this young man, why you would allow this to ever happen yeah. and why the kid would ever take it upon himself to do it. it he's, he's really in a world of trouble because Johnny's got five felonies right there. Ooh, I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, but, you know, it, it just makes you, it makes you understand that you look at the world around us and everyone's going through different things in their life. You know, and some people are dealing with chaos in their family and their personal life. Other people, their situation appears to be rock solid, but behind the curtain it not isn't. So, you know, everyone's dealing with stuff. It's just a shame when it acts out this way. Well, acts out the way it did for Mikey Williams. We talked about a month ago about John ja Morant. And the five different incidents, a couple of them with guns in Memphis, and he got himself suspended, lost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. My biggest fear, you think a gun is important. What happens if you wind up in an alley with a bullet wound in your head? How important is that decision at that point in time? So I hope the young man can work his way through it. But why this was ever allowed to begin and exist this way is just... it's terribly sad, and it kind of kind of makes me angry because you have your whole life in front of you as a great athlete, and you make this decision. 
Yeah, it was just, it was nuts. End of sermon. Okay, end of sermon. Let's move on here. And uh, here's a comment about Kawhi Leonard from Jess Piper. and says, hey, Kawhi, I love you, man. Take your money and run. You have nothing to prove to anyone. You made it to the top. Nobody stays there. Do the rehab and enjoy your retirement with your family. His DNA is he competes. And I don't think he's ready to walk away from it. Uh, I, I hate to think that his career the last segment of a really great career, maybe even a Hall of Fame career, might be robbed because of these three different injuries to that one knee. Uh, but, you know, he's got great medical care. I get, I get so turned off. I detest the criticism that I have heard and I have read. He let them down. Or the rip job on the Clipper organization just about the limited playing time uh, that they gave him to try to, quote, protect him. Then he goes out and he gets hurt. He's, obviously, he's not the same physical specimen as he was when he first broke in with San Antonio, and now he's had three different major injuries. He's missed over 310 games over the course of his career. And, the, you know, the reality is your body breaks down. Mm-hmm. And in, for, in a game where you are so explosive in jumpers and all that, your knees are going to go or your ankles or your foot are going to go. But... Uh, He's a fine player. He's made himself into a Hall of Famer, and I, I just have such great respect. He's quiet. He's introverted. Obviously, comes from a very tough family situation based on what just happened with his sister being mm-hmm. sent to prison for life for a, a murder. Um, he's just a hell of a hell of a person, self-made. So I hope there's more basketball ahead for him, and they have a tough decision to make as to what they're going to do with this potential knee surgery. I mean, do you think he comes back? Is he going to be the player he used to be? We're in tear factor, John. I don't. I don't know that we we know that. It, you know, Blake Griffin was an explosive jumping jack when he came out of Oklahoma. Multiple knee injuries with him, and now he's he's just not even the same player. He's trying yeah. to hang on as somebody's seventh man. Uh, it, you wake up one day and you're just not the same body anymore. But Kawhi's a great, great player. Uh, and I, I would hope that there'd be one more kick at the can after they decide how they're going to handle uh, this torn meniscus. When when uh, Kawhi was playing here in San Diego State, did you get a chance to interview him or, or shake his hand and get to know him? Uh, briefly, very introverted. Just not much of an interview. Not that he detested the media. He just... He was in his own world of practice, practice, go to class, practice, mm-hmm. etc. So didn't get to know him very well. He's kind of like Marshall Falk. You know, I was doing the Aztec football games back then in the 90s, and he was an introvert, and he just he just didn't feel comfortable around the media, and he, he wasn't a great spokesman. Uh, so we all, all just left him to his own, and we didn't make a big issue out of it, and and he was so, I mean, so oh, gifted. Yeah. I, would, I would think Marshall Falk— Kawhi Leonard, probably two greatest Aztecs of all time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's on the Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah. Maybe with Strasburg and Gwynn. Could well be. Yeah. Hey, listen, we hope you've enjoyed our bonus podcast. A lot of fun doing this. Awful ton of topics on the table. We'll be back on Thursday for our regular weekly podcast. Again, I wrote it. You need to read it. Go to my website. It's right there, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Read my NFL draft report card for your favorite team and every team that I gave a letter grade to. And again, give us a thumbs up. And we have no pride. We'll take a five-star <laughs> rating uh, if you can. Do that through Apple. John, have yourself a, a great week. We'll see you towards the end of the week on Thursday. Looking forward to it, Lee. Thanks for being with us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Great to have you part of our show. 
Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.